Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Ramble, where today we're going to be talking about the 2-0 win against Wolves. Martin Odegaard's second half double uh, was enough for Arsenal to take maximum advantage of Manchester City's shock defeat by Brentford and ensure that they will be top Christmas Day for the first time since 2007. But before we deep dive into this, Dom, how are you, mate? I'm really good, thank you, Dave. Uh, not seeing you since Wednesday, Wednesday night, night so yeah. we've not really had an opportunity to do any podcasts since then. No, no. Um, not like we would want to no. shout about the result on Wednesday night, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good, thank you. Yeah, I've not been doing too much since that Brighton game, to be fair. Um, even up to much? Uh, I've actually been away with family this weekend, so that's why we uh, didn't do a podcast yeah. um, on Thursday. But uh, yeah, I, w- I went to the um, to the Lake District to nice. Centre Parks, and yeah, nice. it was really good. Very expensive. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so it's good to get away. So it's good to get away. Yeah, and uh, managed to catch the Arsenal whilst I was away, which is all well and good. So brilliant. So should we get should we get right into it then? Uh, talk yeah. about the. The 2-0 win. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, as I said uh, in the intro, top of the league going into Christmas break. Um, I think that was the the main checkpoint, if you will, that Arsenal were, were aiming for, was to get to this point, being top. I think most fans would have been happy with with the two-point gap. Um, not really expecting City to drop points against Brentford, but now it's, it's a five-point gap. Yeah. You, you know, what, what are you thinking... About that, so I definitely didn't think that City would be dropping points at Brentford. No, um, I thought they would. It would just be a run of the mill win for them, another three points on the board, and then we'd have to do the business and uh, secure two points ahead going into Christmas. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like as soon as they drop points uh, on Saturday, did they play on Saturday? Yeah, it was Saturday. Yeah, it was, yeah. as soon as they drop points, we just had the opportunity to make it five. And uh, didn't we do that? Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw that um, uh, a little quote from Arteta saying that the boys had it on in the coach on the way down to the game. <laughs> so they were actually watching uh, wow. the, the Man City game. So they knew full well going into the, the Wolves game that a win would take them five points clear. So what a motivation. Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. Very motivating. And I respect his honesty as well, because a lot of managers would give a bit of dribble saying yeah. uh, we don't focus on other teams we don't bother watching their games but of course they're going to watch the games oh, and of course, course they're yeah. going to see if there's an opportunity to go five points clear yeah I think someone even asked him that question and they said oh what were the boys reaction when they saw that they lost <laughs> and uh, his response was as you'd expect <laughs> so they were clearly buzzing instead of a bench cam they need a coach cam <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I would pay to see that yeah so um Starting lineup wise, um, the exact same team that uh, started against Chelsea. Um, any surprises for you, or just sort of what you'd expect? No surprises for me, really. Um, it was kind of touch and go, touch and go on if Zinchenko was going to start again for me because yeah, of he got taken off against Chelsea because he looked a bit rusty. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zinchenko started, and uh, I feel like this has got to be Arteta's first eleven, isn't it? Is yeah, he, I mean, he loves this first eleven. Yeah, I think this has now almost confirmed it for me that Zinchenko is his primary number one. Uh, at left back, um, Tierney being the understudy, and um, well, you'd like to think so. You, you could even argue that Tommy Asu is ahead of Tierney in Arteta's eyes at the minute, which, which still kind of baffles me to be honest. Um, Tierney's such a fan's favourite, and, and he's one of my favourites also. Um, but um, you know, Zinchenko is is a good player, uh, obviously. Um, Great player. So I really can't argue with it too much, and it's just great to have these options. It really is great. And it's nice to have a bit of consistency as well. That we all know that this is our best first eleven, and then we're going to play them, and we're going to be confident going into every match. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so first half. Well, let, let's discuss the um, the early substitution that Arsenal were were sort of forced into. Oh um, uh, yeah, Jacker. Um, it looked to me as if he was feeling unwell, um, maybe some a sickness bug or something like that. Um, I think again, I saw some quotes about 
maybe a, a pre-match meal not quite sitting right with some of the players and seemed to affect Xhaka the most. Um, they were celebrating after City lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> celebrating with kebab on the bus. Yeah, dodgy kebab. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, big big miss for you, uh, his presence in the team or, or you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, as, as we've just said about how good our first 11 are, once you start taking pieces out of that, especially yeah. in the midfield, yeah. our most experienced players, uh, it really does make a, a massive difference to the, the engine room of the team, if you like, with uh, Partey and Xhaka. They've got such a great partnership there. Yeah. Um, it, it really did worry me when I saw him go off and especially with how shaky Vieira's performances have been recently. I did, yeah. I did kind of... Look a bit worried when, mm. when that happened. Would you expect Vieira to come on, or was you maybe thinking he could no. bring Zinchenko into the midfield and maybe bring Tierney on, or, some, or something like that? Or I thought um, that would have been more logical. Yeah, but no, no, he uh, he brought on um, Vieira. He, he brought on Vieira. Yeah, yeah um, and we'll get into to Vieira's performance a little later on. But yeah, um, you can't argue with that. I mean, it, it was. Uh, an option, uh, maybe Lekonga as well could have been a, another option. Um, yeah, again though, Lekonga is someone who's not really impressed in recent games in the uh, in the Europa League and the League Cup. So uh, that I think it was it was kind of like you've got to pick the best of a bad bunch in that midfield from the from the subs bench. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and doesn't that just highlight our lack of depth at the minute? Yeah, I think going into games, I think you're spot on. Yeah, especially in that midfield area. It, there isn't really like for like replacements like we have at left back or like we have at right back. Um, and it is a little bit worrying. Um, but having said that, um, January transfer windows coming up, who knows, we may strengthen, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. But first, let's continue discussing the first half. So overall thoughts on the actual first half performance? Well, if we're going chronologically, yeah, I think we, we started off... In control of possession, but we we looked quite vulnerable on the counter. Yeah. Um. I think the the, the first thing that happened was Wolves had a penalty shout where uh, they got in behind and uh, Saliba is chasing back and I think it's just on the edge of the box. Um. But did he get ruled for offside? Or was it? Yeah. I, this is such a strange one because yeah. I still can't wrap my head around it because to me it looked marginally offside. Yeah. Um, and I guess you could argue the toss about that. But, you know, for me, it looked offside. So when the pundits after the match were complaining that a penalty wasn't given or at least looked at by VAR, mm. I don't quite get that because if it's offside, it's obsolete. Isn't it's it? obsolete. Yeah. It, it's irrelevant what happens after that point. Uh, and we've seen that in other games. Um, for example, when Gabriel got red carded, uh, it got rescinded because of, you know, mm. in that previous game in the season, um, it got rescinded because um after a foul. after a foul yeah. yeah so i really can't wrap my head around why the pundits are so i, I guess if it's offside or if it's onside is the big debate yeah i um, guess what they're saying is if it's onside is it firstly in the box yeah and then secondly is it a foul yeah i think it's i think it is a foul yeah i think if it's onside but then i'm not sure whether it's in the box or not yeah. So then it's, it, but it definitely was a heart and mouth moment when it happened for me. Yeah, I, th- I think we were lucky that it happened so early on in the game that um, sometimes in the ref's mind that big calls that early in the game that uh, you, they don't really want to be drawn into them, so they sort of just gloss over it. Um, so is it is it one of those where it's it's uh, VAR not having enough to overturn the on-field ref's decision rather yeah. than? it being the wrong decision. Yeah, I'd love to hear what the the thoughts of VAR, I think it was Mike Dean that was on VAR, I'd love to hear the thoughts of his actual reasoning behind it all. Um, I've yet to see anything uh, anything like that um, from him. Um, However, I think we just got to chalk it up to, um, it's just one of those, some some you get, some you don't. Um, And we've had that this season, haven't we? Yeah. I think that the United game, we got one, we uh, we got chalked off. Didn't exactly, it, so. Martinelli's early goal that, that that actually cost us three points potentially in that game. So it is swings and roundabouts. So I don't think it's anywhere near the level of 
a, a bad call as that Martinelli one was. No, so you know, exactly. and also it probably was offside, so it, exactly. it shouldn't matter anyway. Exactly. But um, yeah, so not long after that happened, um, Wolves actually had another counter attack. Um, unfortunately, Ben White uh, uh, passed the ball across to Martinelli, who he just lashes at it instead of trying to control it. But I guess it was a bit behind him, wasn't it? It was um, behind him. Yeah. yeah, he tried to control it, but really off balanced and sort of played in. Uh, and then they started breaking yeah. down down our uh, flank. Yeah. And the, the ball comes into Guedes, who uh, hits it just over the bar. Yeah, that was closer than it looked as well, I think. You know, that we're talking a yard above the top right-hand corner. I don't think Ramsdale was getting there, was he? No, he sort of dips out at the last second, I think. Um, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it was unfortunate for Martinelli. I, I, and to be fair to him, the minute he realises what he's done, he is up and he is chasing that ball and he is catching Guedes. You know, he's never going to catch him, catch him, but he is at least trying to rectify his mistake. And so are every other Arsenal player around him that yeah. all running back, sprinting back to to prevent that from going in. Um, that's something that we didn't see a few seasons ago. And then mm. sometimes the keeper would make a save, it would come off the bar, there'd be a deflection, it would bounce back out and the yeah. players aren't there for the second ball. Yeah. So to see players running back just in case it does force them yeah. to have an opportunity to defend, it's just, it's great. It's just a, re a real desire from the whole team, from Jesus back um, to 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 make the difference where, where it's needed. And, yeah, it really is it is great to see that, to be fair. It's something that we have lacked in recent years and it is making a difference and it is helping us keep more clean sheets, that's for sure. And that's one of those moments where we've had uh, so much dominant uh, possession in the game and we would get sucker punched then. Yeah. And then away from home, 1-0 down, going into the second half, you're thinking, we've got a mountain to climb here. Oh God, yeah. What one nil down away at Wolves would have been tough because, I mean, we we, we had the exact same thing last year. Um, if you can remember, it was the Lacazette, um, and it was a Gabriel mistake to to let us go one nil down. Uh, this was at home last year against Wolves. Oh yes. Um, um, and we was chasing the game. Um, and they were just sitting back, sitting back, knowing that they've got that one nil yeah. um advantage. And it really, really um, affected us that game that day, and so to go one nil down would have been would have been hard to come back from. Yeah, I think uh, we were at the game last we were, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I think it was Hwangi Chan who it scored was. that goal because yeah. Ramsdale came out. Yeah, and then it was a very frustrating eighty-two minutes or so, wasn't it? We got oh, to the eighty-second yeah. minute, and they brought on Nicholas Pepe. And I think that was one of his only decent contributions yeah. last season where he, he did the uh, roulette 360 spin <laughs> to the near post. Unbelievable finish. Was, and then um, we, we'd been slating Lacazette all game that game, hadn't we? To be fair, he still had an awful game. Yeah. And, and even that goal was not... It, it was off target, wasn't it? It was an off target, really scrappy, naff goal. Yeah. But we got the the rub of the green and, and we got that win. And, and I could have seen something exactly like that happening in this game. Yeah. I know it was at home that game and, and we're away for this one, but it was it would have been very, very similar, I think. Um, yeah, going 1-0 down to Wolves is the last thing you want. They are a good defensive team. Yeah, and they would happily sit there all day and let you just keep firing balls in. Yeah, it, it was tough to break them down. It, it really was. We had to be really patient. And I think some Arsenal fans were getting frustrated, actually, because we were just sort of, well, they call it the horseshoe motion. You're just sort of playing it out from the back up, up to the, the the winger or the fullback, and going back to defence, and then going up the other side and trying to find that that opening somewhere. And it just we just couldn't seem to find it. I mean, Saka was trying his best against their their young fullback. I can't quite remember his name, but he had a really good game. I don't think I don't think Saka really got too much change out of him. No. Um, on the other side, Martinelli, he wasn't as direct as he normally is. Yeah. Um, I think the wingers struggled in this game. Um, they, they've got a lot of rapid players, haven't they, Wolves? Especially on in either flank. And mm. they, you, you're always getting that threat posed by players like Adama Traore on, and Guedes on yeah. the counter. So it's, it's, you don't want to overcommit with, with all of our players. Even though uh, players like Saliba and Gabriel, they're, they're both pretty rapid themselves. They're, they've not really got a 
scratching a foot race against people like Traore, have they? No, but to be fair, Saliba did actually match him for pace at one point in time, which I thought was quite <laughs> pretty incredible, really, considering. I mean, they, they, they do play this really high line, don't they, Arsenal? Um, and they sort of were sort of enticing them to make run in, runs in behind. Um, and it, it really didn't work for Wolves. They, yeah. they kept getting caught offside uh, or mistiming. He was so far off his line, Ramsdale, wasn't yeah. he? His starting position was so good this game. Yeah, if they overhit it, Ramsdale's getting it. If they underhit it, Saliba's getting it, Gabriel's getting it. Like They were... They didn't have any change with through balls going through the, um, the middle of the park. And and that's why it kind of surprised me that Adama Troyer was, was playing so central. I think for me, he was so much more effective out on, on the wing, um, running at players with his you know brute strength and pace. And yeah. it maybe could have caused Zinchenko a few more problems. But I was just about to say that. I, I would have thought that, that would be a bit of a mismatch, really, because Zinchenko, yeah. as good as he is technically and uh, going forward, he he's a good defender, but he's not a, an unbelievable defender, and he's mm. not the quickest in the world. So, well, that's the pitfall in their design by playing that low block and sitting back. That they're, they're not going to have the ball, they're not going to have possession, and and so so they had to play counter attacking football, and that means they're all always almost playing in their own half. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they're not going to score that no, way, are they? No, no. Uh, so. Not long after that happened, um, we had another chance. And this time it was actually set up by uh, Zinchenko himself. Um, it was uh, it came to Zinchenko at the corner of the box and he, he uh, crossed it in uh, onto Gabriel Jesus's head and he missed the net yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, it was a good chance that, to be fair. That was probably one of his better chances in the game. He's just, he just hadn't got that. He's just not got the confidence at the minute, has he? Just, right. I mean, I remember early, earlier in the season, uh, Granite Xhaka put an absolute, you know, it was a good cross on his head, but he still had to generate a lot of power. I can't remember the game now, what which which game it that was, but it was he still had to generate a lot of power and loop it past whoever keep whatever keeper it was. Yeah, he went back um, across goal. He, he went back, back across goal, and it was yeah, it was a great goal. Um, but we haven't really seen him do anything like that since, and this was probably an easy opportunity. Yeah, to score than that one was. He just needed to glance the ball off his head, didn't he? Yeah, just to go far post. Yeah, um, I mean we've said it in other podcasts, but he's just he's just not got that confidence at the minute. I think it's ten games now without a goal. Um, but having said that, I was really impressed with his display, his overall display. Um, yeah. We keep saying it over and over again, but it's not always about goals. Yeah. Sure, it's great when your number nine is banging in the goals because. All top teams, especially teams that are going to win the league, have got 20, 25 goal a season strikers. Mm-hmm. Having said that, though, he has so much effect on the game in other areas, doesn't he? Um, I think I think he was one of our better players today. Yeah. I, I think a perfect example of that is uh, uh, our, the next match event that happened is where Martinelli, he cuts in from the left uh, in our own half and plays the ball to Saka who's rotated centrally, mm. who brings the ball forward and then plays the ball into Jesus, who's on the left wing, who uh, he, he then cuts back onto his right and he, he does have a, he has a good opportunity, but yeah. he, he misses again. But it just shows you that all three of our front three can just rotate and pick up each other's positions and set each other up. It's And it just looks so fluid at the minute. Yeah. I think that was the chance where he sort of picked it up and drove at the defence and was winding in and out. You know, he's, he's got such quick feet that, especially when he gets in the box, defenders do not want to try and lunge in for a tackle because there's a good chance they're going to give away a penalty. Exactly. Um, and it causes so much chaos that from that, um, other players can score. Um, or penalties can be given, or you know, or he can even score himself, and and that that is going to happen in games. It's it's just a matter of fact. It's just <laughs> it will happen. Yeah, it, it will. It's just not happening at the minute. But yeah. still, I'm just I'm still just so impressed by what he brings to Arsenal. Yeah, and I, luckily, I do think a lot of fans agree with that. Um, no one's really getting on his back about no. ten ten games, no goals. No one's really 
everyone's seeing the positives, not the negatives in this situation. So exactly, and, and that actually brings us to our first goal. Um, and it it did start with Jesus, yeah, on the left, and he he cut in and he just delivered an absolutely exquisite through ball through to Fabio Vieira, yeah. who I I thought at first he should have shot, and I thought what what's yeah. he doing? He's taking another touch, yeah, but. It was almost Urzel-esque where he didn't shoot, took another touch, and then that opens the space for him to cross it across the box. And then Saka and Odegaard were queuing up at the back stick and Odegaard put it in. Yeah, no, that at first I thought the exact same thing. I thought he took that extra touch a little bit too wide and he, he, he made the angle too acute to, to shoot from. However, he was just sort of delaying for, for Saka and Odegaard to get into the box. So, you know, that was a really good play by... Um, Vieira and I'm really glad actually because he he's another player that really needs a bit of confidence yeah he's had some real lackluster performances of late and to be fair they have been in you know poor or sub strength Europa League teams or the Carabao Cup game you know he's, he's surrounded by weaker players and I think for a young player like Vieira he needs to be surrounded by other good players yeah and today was a good example of where other players can bring the best out of him exactly and so the movement that he makes to be able to create that goal yeah it's the movement's only as good as the pass if yeah. the pass doesn't come then the movement is wasted yeah so when he's playing in the europa league if he's got say marquinhos or reese nelson as good as reese nelson's been recently yeah they might not have the vision to be able to play that pass it's a wasted run and then it might just get a cut cut off and then nothing comes of it yeah so I, I see what you're saying about him playing with better players makes him look better himself yeah um and and saying going back to jesus it's another goal which he's almost created yeah. like a pre-assist but then he won't get any statistics no, for it exactly but everyone could see that that pass was world class that it was timed to perfection weighted to perfection split them open yeah he split them open i mean you know a split second later he's offside and a split second before that, he's 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 not getting it. Um, so, it it was a great pass, and um, it's exactly what you can do, especially in that final third. He's so deadly, so so deadly. So he deserves all the credit, even though he's not building exactly. his statistics. <laughs> exactly, and all fa Arsenal fans can see that. Yeah, he's just a great player. Uh, so so not long after that, um, the uh, Wolves actually made a substitution, and they brought on a young lad at right back. Uh, it was his debut game, yeah. and he was up against Martinelli. And yeah. I think pretty much straight away he found out uh, a baptism of fire against Martinelli. He, yeah. uh, he was running to the corner flag, trying to get the ball away, uh, mm. messed up a little bit, gave it to Martinelli on a platter, really, and he just yeah straight into the box. I do feel for, for that guy, actually. I can't remember his name now, um, <laughs> to be honest. But it, he was very unlucky, actually, with that clearance. It was brilliant by Martinelli to sort of intercept that whilst also bringing that ball Stopped still. Stopped it dead, didn't he? Stopped it dead, yeah. And it allowed him to just drive with it. Yeah. Um, Bit of fortune. Um, yeah. That comes with being such an aggressive presser, I guess. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was it was brilliant by Martinelli to, to create that. And, and what a lovely little back heel to to set um, Zinchenko through. Um, he, he he found him in absolute acres of space. At first, I thought he was going to first time cross it, and then he reassessed. Thought, oh, I've got a bit of space here to drive into. Um, pick someone out. Yep, drove into it. Tried to pick out. I think he tried to pick out Martinelli um, again uh, for the reverse pass. Um, ends up ricocheting. I think Martinelli eventually gets a, a fairly tame shot off. Um, again, ricochets back out and then Odegaard finishes really, really well, doesn't he? Yeah, it's... it was a bit of pinball, wasn't it? It was a bit, yeah. And then it, when it comes to Odegaard, nine, nine players out of ten would, as soon as the ball's dropping there, they would slash it yeah, and it would just go straight over the bar or they, would, they, they wouldn't take the time to take mm. a touch. But Odegaard has so much faith in his own ability, he thinks, I know, I can take a touch here and then I can just welly it yeah. in the corner. That was a, it was a great finish, and it it reminded me of a, a goal that Man City would score, just like a real, yeah, a real, you know, no we're, panic. yeah, no panic. We're finishing this game off. We're not panicking at a one nil till till full time. We're going to finish this game off, um, and they were two nil deserving winners in the end. Um, and 
yeah, I, I thought it was a cracking finish. And I, I am chuffed for Odegaard because I think that now brings him top scorer for Arsenal so far this season. Yeah. And, th- and that was something we, you know, before the season started, we were saying that was the one area of Odegaard's game that we wanted to see him improving. Yeah. And we've, we know he's got a brilliant pass on him. We know he can assist goals. Yeah. He's very creative. Um, for someone that doesn't like to shoot, being our top goal scorer is not, <laughs> not bad to have. Is yeah. it? But it's just his, his positional awareness is actually really really good and he he goes about his game really quietly yeah. if you don't if you're not watching him you don't see his brilliance and he can sort of go under the radar of um a lot of fans and even pundits they they don't quite see it because it's it's all just quietly it's like a little magician that does it all behind the scenes um but he, he always starts the press as well doesn't he yeah he starts the press and there's waves and waves of press and it causes teams to make mistakes but going back to that goal when you're saying about his positioning. Yeah. He's in the middle of the box with, you could draw a circle around him, yeah. five yards all the way around the diameter of five yards. Yeah. He, how has he found that space? You see, if you watch it closely, he actually sees that everyone's rushing to the six yard box and he just drops off. He just yeah. drops off and everyone just sort of runs away from him. He doesn't even have to move. He just yeah. knows that everyone's fixed on that ball, ball watching and he just drops off, gets the space, finishes easily. It's, a, it's clever. Have football intelligence like that yeah. at 23. Is it 23? Something like that, yeah. 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 Uh, to have football intelligence at his age and be our captain, Norway's captain, it just shows you how good the kid is. Yeah, he, he is. I'm, I'm glad he got the captaincy because he is what, that sort of player that is very deserving of... Um, a starting spot in our team for the next 10 years if he wants it. He's he's brilliant. He's yeah. brilliant. Right, so um, I think that brings the end of the first half. So we're just going to have a little break and we'll see you in part two. Welcome back to part two of the Arsenal Ramble, where we continue to ramble on about the Arsenal. So, top of the league, going into the mid-season winter break, if you will. What, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, Dom? Well, it's it's not quite mid-season, is it? No, but it's true. We, well, we like to think it is at the minute, don't I we? Know. <laughs> yeah. What is it, 14 games in? That's probably about a third. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like third of the season isn't yeah. it it always feels like if you top at christmas yeah. it's it's like that uh that mentality thing isn't it yeah but uh well we're 11 points above our season objective of uh not dropping to fifth yeah i think initially we uh the aim was to get champions league football again and yeah we wanted to do that last season and we missed out by a near margin so yeah initially i'm not getting too ahead of myself but i think yeah we're on great track to be able to finish in the top four. Yeah, I mean, do, do you think our season objectives will have changed or do you think it's too early to for them to be going, mm, you know, we're doing really well at the minute, so let, let's push for the league? Or do you, do you think that the, the, the season objective is still top four Champions League football? I feel like you can't really move the goal, goalposts too much if you're... If your season objectives are to get in the top four, it would be unfair to then put that pressure on your manager to say, well, you're top of the league, so you need to continue that because that's our new objective. Yeah. Um, however, being in the position that we are in, I think we're all going to have a little eye on maybe trying to stay top and trying to keep toe-to-toe in Man City. Yeah. Um, stay above them for as long as we can. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a great start. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if, if we're in this position, you know, later on the season, then why not? Yeah, that's exactly it. I think after 14 games, I know people keep saying, well, this is the test. This, the next test is this. The next test is is that. And it's like, well, when is these tests going to stop? Mm. However, 14 games is still not even halfway. We have to we have to keep taking it game by game, in my opinion. Um, keep picking up as many points as we possibly can. And if we're in the fight, at the top of the table or challenging for the top of the table, I should say, um, with maybe 10 to 15 games to go, 
I think that's when you get you start to say, "Hang on a minute, like this is yeah. we need to be thinking about the title now. This is this is our chance to to exactly. get a title for the first time since what two thousand and four. You know, it's almost two decades. Yeah. So it's something that could really, really, you know, just, just <laughs> bring Arsenal back into life again. Yeah. Um, well, you've got to chuck yourself into the mix if you're going to have any chance of winning it. And um, when Liverpool won their first title for ages, they weren't favourites to get back to winning the win the league that season, were they? No. Um, uh, it, it's annoying me that we're being compared to the Leicester season, though, <laughs> because that came completely out of nowhere. I, I feel like this has been building for a while. Yeah, so do I. To be fair, I mean, especially last season, we saw the, the sort of the green shoots, if you will. We saw where our promising performances were, and the sort of promising players, and we saw we saw the areas where we needed to improve on left back, for example, um, and we strengthened um, in the summer with Jesus, and he really has elevated us as as a team. Um, we just and, needed everything to come together, didn't we? Just needed yeah. all the cogs to start turning at the yeah. same time. And and the funny thing is, it's not even funny, but the the thing is, <laughs> we're we're still not playing as good as we could be. I don't think. I still think there's areas to improve upon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's squad depth that can be improved upon in January, um, and that's a frightening prospect to be honest for other teams yeah for other teams uh, <laughs> but it's a very exciting prospect yeah. for Arsenal and Arsenal fans there's definitely other levels that we can get to 100% yeah and it, it's such a joy to watch and um yeah as i say you've got Newcastle that are in third place at the minute and they're yeah. only 7 points behind top and i don't think anybody that's you know not crazy would say that Newcastle are, are, are title contenders. No. So, and but if you're 14 games in and someone's seven points behind the top, you can't rule them out either. No. So I think it would be silly for us to assume that we're title contenders, but then also, yeah. you know, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I think I saw a stat where Man City are actually having their best season points-wise than they have ever. I think it's in the last five years for Man City. Isn't in the last it? five years, it's okay. Tottenham's best ever right. start to okay. the season. Tottenham's best ever and Man City's best in five years, and yet we're still ahead by five points <laughs> compared to second place. It's uh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's quite mental, to be honest. And, and if you want to let your imagination run wild, uh, any other team that has had this points tally after fourteen games <laughs> has always finished first. Yeah. So. No pressure on the lads. I, I hate those stats because <laughs> I remember last season they were saying that the odds on us bottling top four were sort of like very, very slim. It, it was almost mathematically, um, in, you know, impossible for us yeah. to, for, to not uh, get top four last year and look what happened. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, these sort of stats really do... Scare me. They put the pressure on, yeah. Okay, so if we're talking hypotheticals then, um, at what point would you really believe that we'd be in for a title race? Well, game wise, what is in how many point, like how many game wise into the season? Yeah, oh, I see. Um, well, I think I touched on it earlier 10 to 15 games out of of, of May, mid May, when the season ends, mm. then. Then, then yeah, I'll start thinking about it. Um, but another good indicator for me is is the the teams that we're playing and beating. Um, we've we've beat Liverpool, we've beat Tottenham, we've beat Chelsea. Very unlucky to not beat um, Manchester United yeah. at Old Trafford. Um, Did you see Cristiano Ronaldo's comments about that? Yeah, I think he even admitted that uh, <laughs> they were very lucky to win on that yeah. that day. Um, which which tells you everything really. But having said that, he's taking every possible pop <laughs> at Manchester United at the minute, so it could just be a part of that. Um, but I think most most fans could could tell you that we des- we deserve more from that that game that day. But that's football, you know. Um, it's a tough place to go, Old Trafford, and um, I've got full confidence that when they come to the Emirates, um, we'll uh, we'll get the three points. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so 
let's move on a little bit. Um, in January, we have the glorious transfer window yep. reopen. Yep. Um, any potential transfers that you'd like to come to the club? Well, again, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think there are some key positions in the squad that that really could do with strengthening. Uh, and not necessarily the starting lineup, but just sort of strengthening positions. So we've got like for like replacements yeah. if injuries come in or if rotations needed or for any reason, really. Um, the games are only going to get tougher in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, we've obviously progressed now in the Europa League. Um, so the games are only going to get harder in that. We've got the FA Cup to come in which historically we love and you know we don't treat that the same way we do the Carabao Cup for example that we will be going strong in that because it is our cup yeah um so we're going to be playing you know starting starting lineup players in that we're not going to be rotating heavily I wouldn't have thought unless we get some seriously lower league opposition yeah um I think Arteta loves the FA Cup as well yeah he does he's won it himself yeah. as a player and he's won it for Arsenal as a manager I think he's he's got a real love for that competition. So we Yeah. And I have too actually because it's the first at silverware that I've seen us win for a very long time since I was a kid. Yeah. So Yeah, no, exactly. I, I love the FA Cup. And but, but yeah, going back to my initial point, I think we are gonna need to strengthen yeah. um to be able to constantly compete in these games. They're gonna come thick and fast. They're not gonna be easy games. Um the pressure's gonna be on as well towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, who you knows? Yeah, you don't know what sort of um, condition all of our players will be in after the World Cup as well. Yeah, there's a few long-term injuries in there. Yeah, with an already thin squad. Yeah, and they have crammed the fixtures into the second uh, half of the season. To think we've only played 14 games up until what is it Boxing Day? Yeah. And then we've got to fit in all of the rest of the season's games from basically January to May. It's Alongside Europa League, alongside the FA Cup, it's going to be, it's going to be mental. It's double the intensity, yeah. isn't it? And it was already a hectic schedule. Like in yeah. October, we played an unreal amount of games. Yeah. So to think it's going to be that kind of chaotic uh, amount of games for the yeah. last few months of the season, we, we definitely need to strengthen. It, so. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's, there's going to be a lot of games, and for me, I think the main area we need to strengthen and. I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but that is the midfield. Um, yeah. Especially, I mean, obviously in the summer, we tried to get Douglas Louise on deadline day, yeah. who would have been probably a, a parte uh, defensive midfielder, number six type holding midfielder. Um, so that could suggest that that is an area where Arsenal are going to look to strengthen. Um Obviously, I don't think it will be Douglas Luiz anymore. He signed a new contract with Villa, so that yeah. sort of rules him out of the equation. Because even even on transfer deadline day, we was was bidding silly money and getting turned down. So yeah, they really I, I think to keep him, didn't they? Uh, it was a, a blessing in disguise, in, in my opinion, uh, that that got turned down. We'll have to find someone else that can score from a corner. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's that's he is a good player, but he had a bit of a stink at the weekend, didn't he? If you watched the Villa game. I did see that. Yeah, he he sort of slipped up for their first goal, but then if you, it, later on he actually made the, the 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 final third interception to set up their winning goal. So yeah, he sort okay. of redeemed himself. Yeah, uh, even himself out. Yeah, even himself out. But yeah, I, I think that sort of position is key for me because although I do like El Nenny and he can do a job, um, he it, he's just no way near the level of Partey. No, and it, that is a tough. It's tough to to replicate what Partey does. He is yeah. he is brilliant, and in my opinion, one of the best players in his position in the league, if not the best. Yeah. Um. It's just getting and keeping Partey fit because we haven't really seen that. Touch wood. He has he has actually had a, a pretty good run of games uh, of recent. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd say probably it's his longest, isn't it? I don't think I've yeah. seen him play this many games in a row without getting injured ever. Since he's come to Arsenal. No, I can't recall it either, to be fair. Um, but he, you know, he, he's now even adding goals to his game. Absolute yeah. curlers from outside the box, you know. So goals, assists. Yeah, he, he's just he's irreplaceable. Having said that, 
you know, we need a replacement. We need a replacement. <laughs> <laughs> Not a replacement, but someone that can compete for his position. Yeah, an um, alternative. An alternative, yeah. And yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, uh, especially how when Xhaka came off uh, in the game um, against uh, Wolves. Wolves, that was it. I <laughs> <laughs> went back for a second. <laughs> uh, especially when Xhaka went off, I was so worried. I was thinking, like, we just do not have the depth to be able to compete in midfield and um, fair play to Vieira he had one of his better games yeah but yeah I would definitely strengthen one of those two positions yeah uh, either th- the six or the eight I think we've been linked with a, a couple of players um, the names that spring to mind are Danilo from Palmeiras in Brazil mm. I believe I think we went in for him in the summer but they were reluctant to sell because their season's a little bit different to ours so they, they were coming towards the crunch time in their season um, yeah so that you know they're very unlikely to want to sell, you know, in such an important period of of their season. And you know now it's coming up to our January transfer window, but their season's actually over. So they've played all their big games, they've played their final. Um, it's it's now effectively their summer transfer window, if you will. Um, so they're very much more likely to want to to sell. Um, Snip them up in January then. Yeah, I mean, to, to be <laughs> honest, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you and say I've seen heaps of this player, um, but I know it's someone that Arteta and Edu really like. I know it's um, he's a, plays the same position as as Partey, so mm. he's young, he's promising, and I really can't argue with the signings that those two have made over the last two years. So yeah. I kind of do put my full faith in them when it comes to these sort of relative unknowns like Martinelli was back in the day. I was going to say, he's young and he's from the Brazilian league. I don't think they'd like him at all. <laughs> <laughs> He'd fit right in, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's one option. The other is Tielemans, who's obviously a little bit more like a number eight. Uh, he's actually having a really good season for Leicester. He had a, a bit of a slow start, um, yeah. which is quite natural really considering the speculation over his head all, all summer um but you know he started to put in solid performances adding goals to his game again um i've even seen links to barcelona uh, appear in the papers uh, well and online recently so um maybe that's a, a bit of a tactic from leicester to try and urge <laughs> someone to cough up in january uh, to avoid the, the yeah. free transfer in, in the summer but um, yeah, he, he goes out of contract in summer, doesn't he? So he would be out on a free. Yeah. Um, I think Tielemans, his preference would be Arsenal with how eager yeah. he was to come to us uh, over the summer. Yeah, I think he even wanted to join Arsenal when he was at Monaco and and join Leicester. I think he w- he had his heart set on Arsenal then. Um, and he just he just seemed like an Arsenal player, if you know what I mean. He, he, he yeah. just he just has that aura about him he just seems like an Arsenal player I could really see him in an Arsenal t-shirt um but he is someone I would I would like I, I do wonder whether we would wait till summer though um before you know knowing we could get him for free um I, I don't yeah. see why they would you know splash money on someone that's, that's free in six months time it is a bit of a dilemma isn't it because you can either wait to the summer and get him for free yeah or you've got you maybe your best opportunity to win the league since 2003 was it 2004 yeah. and you've got your best opportunity to win the league and it's why not strengthen this yeah i think it all all comes down to how much leicester would would demand um in january because he's probably a, a crucial player for them over the next few months, um, they're not exactly in the healthiest position in the table. Taking one of their better players out could spell disaster for them. Uh, it might not be worth the tens of millions of pounds that it would bring financially if they were to. But that you know. being said, you know, Leicester are a selling club. Mm. They've sold lots of players over the last few years. Yeah. I, I, I do think if the price is right, if, you know, I'm thinking maybe 15 million in January. Yeah. Would be a good figure. Yeah, you'd like to think so. Just to get his signature over Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think he certainly would add quality to the number eight position because like we said earlier, if Xhaka's out or if Odegaard's out, yeah, Vieira for Odegaard, probably, yeah. But mm. but who who's for Xhaka? Um yeah. we're talking Laconga, Vieira, if you know, but it's not the quality is not like for like. Um, at the minute, 
And if, if we want to be pushing, we, we need like for like quality. Yeah. I think the only other position that I'd like to strengthen would be on the wings or like mm. a wide forward. Um, we're linked yeah. to Mudrik. Yes. Yeah, and the Ukrainian. Yeah, and we've we've still had links from the summer with Cody Gakpo, who we played against. Yeah, uh, in the last few weeks, who would be your preference of the two? Uh, Mudrik for sure would be my preference. I mean, I like Gakpo. He 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 didn't have the best game against us at home, but uh, away at PSV, he was really quite effective. Having said that, um, I want I, I really think we need to strengthen the right hand side. It, it's a Saka like for like player. Mm. I really want. Um, because on the left, we've got Martinelli and Smith-Rowe, which a lot of people forget about because of his injuries. But, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, in January, he's going to be back. So if we had those four options on on the wings, uh, I think we've got like-for-like like quality across the board. Hmm. Um, what about Reese Nelson? Or do, yeah. you, do you not think he's ready to step up to... The soccer plate. It's a real tough one, isn't it? Because um, I, I do, I do think Nelson has got potential, and he has shown in recent games that he can play well. It's just I don't know whether he is like he's just not like for like, in my opinion. No. Um, I, I, it's a tough one. Um, players like Marquinhos, for example, um, I think they really do need a loan move. Um, yeah. And I'd like to say that about Nelson, but he's had low moves and they've been a bit iffy. You know, he had a really good one at um, Hoffenheim, I think it was, mm. in Germany. Um, but then the one at Feyenoord was a little bit hit and miss. You know, it was okay, um, but nothing spectacular. So uh, it's getting to that crunch time with Nelson. Um, and I, I can't really call it either way. Yeah. I mean, he's he's an Arsenal boy. Yeah. It's great to see how well he's been doing recently, but he definitely doesn't have the same influence on a game that Bukayo Saka does. No, no. And that's what we are looking for, for someone that can be a replacement for him. Yeah. So, as you say, it's crunch time. And if someone came in with a juicy offer for him, I think it'd be hard to turn it down. It would be hard to turn it down. And I'm not really sure how much left his, time he's got left on his contract at Arsenal. Um, so, you know, for me, the most, the best case scenario would be to maybe extend his contract and then mm. a potential loan maybe, or yeah. I don't know. I just, I struggle to see how he's going to get game time at Arsenal. Yeah. Um, and but, you don't have to keep all of your academy graduates as well. No. You've got players like Joe Willock. Exactly. We sold him for a healthy amount. We're players like, um, Iwobi. Iwobi. Yeah. Absolutely. We rinsed Everton for thirty <laughs> mil or so that we sold him for, and yeah, you know, you don't. That, that's what you have an academy for. Sometimes is just to generate a bit of money. Yeah, yeah, you've got to you've got to look at it from the financial uh, point of view as well. Mm. Um, that's what Chelsea do. They, you know, they they develop young talents, they loan them out, they get good, and they sell them on. Um, some of them do make it at Chelsea Mount, for example, but you know that that is their tactic, and yeah. Um, it's a business at the end of the day. It is a business, yeah. Um, but who knows? Um, it's a tough one to call with Nelson. I, I really, I really can't call it. Yeah. So if it was within the realms of possibility, and you had an open checkbook to a certain extent, yeah. Um, who would you pick if you could pick anyone from any team? <sighs> we're talking. We're not talking like oh, I would pick Kevin De Bruyne that no, kind of thing. No. Someone that's relatively young that's yeah. on the radar maybe that no one's really yeah. thought about. I think for me, um, and I'm not sure if a lot of people will agree because I think some people think this player is overrated, mm. but for me, Declan Rice would be a really good addition to this Arsenal team. He's early 20s, English, um, England player, almost one of the first names on the team sheet. Mm. He's actually one of the few players that I believe can play that similar role to Partey. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think it's unrealistic anymore. Um, we're another London team. We we can offer him hopefully Champions League football. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like it would be the next step in his career, almost like Frank Lampard going from West yeah. Ham to yeah. Chelsea. It, he is he is a great player, and I, I know what you're saying. He he would be a 
great replacement for Thomas Partey if he was ever out, or even Xhaka if yeah. he was out as well. I mean, that is the one caveat. Like, how you know, if they're both fit, you know, how do you get them both in your team? Um, but I mean, all big teams have quality players on the bench. I mean, look at City. You know, you've got Mares, De Bruyne. Bernardo Silva, Grealish, Foden, they don't all play every week no. and they're all bordering world-class. <laughs> exactly. There's um, 11 positions on the pitch and you can't fit them all on. Yeah. You need to have quality and backup yeah. and, and rotation. So. And Partey is getting to that stage in his career where, you know, he's starting to... Is he, is he in his 30s? I think he, I think he is 30. Yeah. 30. So, you know, you get into that stage where... You're going to maybe start to decline within the next few years. Hopefully not. <laughs> but um, it'd be great it, for him to maybe understudy mm. Partey and learn under him. Yeah, and exactly. Develop with a with a world class player. In yeah, my eyes. it costs a lot of money, no doubt about it. Um, but for me, that is one of the positions in the team that needs strengthening uh, the be, most. It'd be great to see how he performs at the World Cup as well. Yeah, yeah. In a in a a new team that he doesn't always play with, and see how how well he uh, he can elevate the performances of everyone else around him. Yeah. Okay. So um, before we finish up, what what's your thoughts? Who who would you go for? So mine was uh, maybe I'm a, in dreamland really here. Um, I, I was actually thinking Rice as well, but I didn't go for Rice. I went for Valverde. Okay. from Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, he's having an absolute storm of a season. And I think he's probably one of the best up-and-coming young players in the world. Yeah, um, He's got a corker of a shot on him. Yeah, um, He can score left foot, right foot, outside the box. He's, he can play midfield. He can play winger. He's, I think he would be a dream mm. for a manager like Arteta. Yeah, But he would also come with a very hefty yeah. price tag. And I think we were lucky to try and well, to snip Odegaard from them for 30 million. So yeah. to, to come back and then ask for, for Valverde, I think they'd be just laughing us out the door. Yeah. But yeah, no, I can't. Yeah, he's he's an amazing player. I think actually he even, um, Arsene Wenger, another one of Arsene Wenger's potential signings that he tried to make back in the day when he was a, a young teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, he's another one in that list that, that Arsene Wenger very nearly got. Mbappe, Valverde. Yeah, yeah. the list goes on and on and on. But, yeah, no, I can't argue with that one. Okay, um, that's it for the Arsenal Ramble this week. So um, a big thank you um, to to all that have listened and um, keep an eye out for the mid-season review podcast that's going to be out in the coming days. And um, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. See you later.